When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast, although this will be a little bit of England as well. Um, I'm Rob Tanner and joining me today, as usual, is Jordan Blackwell. It's an international break, but uh, there's still plenty to discuss. And we'll start with the uh, the Leicester lads that have been uh, on England duty, and it's been quite an experience for some of them. Um, let's talk about the seniors first, Harry Maguire and Ben Chilwell. Fantastic performances against Czech Republic and Montenegro, although... The Montenegro game was overshadowed by some unsavoury incidents in the in the crowd that we're going to have to to deal with. But in terms of the performances in the football, Chilwell and Maguire have certainly done uh, very well for themselves, haven't they? Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. I think there's um, you know, there's no doubts that they belong in that England squad now. I think uh, the two of them showed that they're they are first choice players. I know Chilwell was was rested for the Montenegro game and Danny Rose was given a game, but I think you would still say Chilwell is. England's first choice left back. He's the future, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. And I think you would say he's got he's got more scope to improve. Uh, you would probably say that at the minute they're probably similar in terms of ability, but knowing that Chilwell is only 22 and can still get a lot better, um, I think that makes him number one uh, there. I think Maguire has shown that he's not necessarily. I know everyone talks about him as his you know his ball playing attributes and obviously a threat from set pieces. But you say over the two games he's done very well defensively as well. Um, Not tested too much though. No, no. Admittedly, no. The the, the two teams they've played haven't been great. Um, you can only beat the teams you're out there. And Czech Republic are no no mugs. No, and England have still you know they're still beating them handsome, handsomely, and the, England have played very well in both games. Um, so yeah, I mean it's exciting you know from a from an England fan point of view that they are that you know normally qualifiers are kind of drab games that England just about win one nil or two one or whatever. Um, but they're actually just sort of going through these teams, and yeah, and it's um, yeah, looking uh, looking good for the for the summer. It's probably the most exciting England team that I can remember watching. I mean, mm. I go back to 1990 and 1996, and now this this new generation, these, these young players are coming through, and it seems to be seamless when players come in and out of the yeah. side. It still doesn't seem to affect the way they play, the system they they operate in, and it's looking really optimistic. I hope the national media and we're part of the media don't. Uh, Get carried away with it all and put too much pressure on them, but quietly confident that they're doing quite well in uh, international tournaments going forwards. Yeah, and I think yeah, I agree with you in terms of the the players coming in and out. I think we we saw the amount of talent they have, particularly in those sort of attacking positions that they can. You know, Jaden Sancho, a, a teenager, you know, playing really well in the Bundesliga, comes in, does really well. He's then swapped out for Callum Hudson Odoi, who's not even started a, a Premier League game yet. He does really well. Yeah, it just seems yeah, Southgate's managed to find a system um, and also build an atmosphere around the team that makes things like that really seamless. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's promising on all fronts. Well, you mentioned there about the atmosphere amongst the group, and uh, they came together, they had to come together in Montenegro because yeah. of the, uh, the, the racist chanting from some section of the Montenegro fans towards the, the black players. 
playing for England. We thought we'd seen the last of these days. We certainly think we had. Well, although we still got an issue in this country as well, that uh, that but we are being that is being addressed here. But it seems to be going back for thirty, forty years. When you ever you yeah. go. Eat to Eastern Europe now to watch, to watch a game or, or to, to participate in a game. The black players getting targeted with stuff that we used to see in the eighties over here. Yeah, it's otherwise disappointing, obviously, and I'm sure it's you know um, must anger those players. Uh, you know the likes of Sterling and Hudson Odoi and Rose um, that they that they experience things like that. Um, I think England have dealt with it really well. Um, I think it's great that. Um, that Sterling and Hudson and Diane Rose have all come out and you know expressed their their frustration with it and are you know are making a, a stand. Obviously, it's a brave thing to do, but I think it's you know it's a, it's a good thing for them to do that. And obviously, Southgate said that you know the Foden official um, report. I know Montenegro have now been charged as well. Um, so I think that's you know England are going about it the right way. Um, I think uh, Southgate was got it right. He said that they need. It needs to be education. It needs to be from a very young age. You know, people aren't born racist; they're they're, they're taught it. Um, so I think it needs to be, you know, in places like this. I think that it needs to be more of a focus of teaching young children, um, you know, the the do's and don'ts. But I think to get rid of it from football, I think I think the only method is to for teams to walk off the pitch. I know you don't necessarily agree with that, but I think the I would say that will stop it immediately if teams if teams sort of come together and say right if we experience any racism we're going to walk off the pitch mm. you know if it comes to a weekend and three national teams walk off the pitch UEFA have then got a, a real problem to sort out and at that point they won't just hand out a you know a, a fine that, yeah. that doesn't really seem to do anything well my only worry about that is um there does seem to be a difference in opinion between certain countries certainly in Western Europe and when we talk about England France Belgium Holland, you know, multicultural societies, um, where you know it is very stark the opposition towards this sort of behaviour. Mm. The, the other countries where it aren't so multicultural, it almost like they, they accept it as an norm, as it like it's, they don't even see it being an issue. That, I mean, the Montenegro um, staff that came out, the, the press officer and the manager afterwards saying they didn't hear anything. Yeah. Well, they're not tuned into it. That's probably why they didn't hear anything. And my concern is if players started walking off and um, sides like Montenegro that um, could be 2-3-0 down at the time might see that as an opportunity to get England to walk off the pitch and then perhaps UEFA might stick with them or, or you know, order a replay or, you know, and that uh, result doesn't stand there. I just don't want it to be used as a dark art in many ways. No. And uh, But it, yeah, you're right, absolutely action has to be taken and, and, and stern action as well and education is the key and I think we're more educated in these, these in our side of societies because we're multicultural societies yeah. so yeah. we're more tolerant to, to, to people of different faiths and different religions and different creeds, colours or what have you but um, that's not the case in Eastern Europe but let's get back to the football because the under 21s have been action and now yeah. there's more Leicester City Representation. There are four lads in the under twenty ones, and it's fantastic to see, isn't it? James Madison. Although he might be disappointed he wasn't involved in that England squad, he's got something really to, to target in the summer with the European Championships in Italy with the under twenty ones, and not just him, Hamza, Harvey, as well, and Damari Gray. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know it's a big deal for them. Obviously, these games over this international break are warm up games for that tournament. They're they're just friendlies, um, but yeah, it will be their last. Tournament as a last Euros as a an under, England under twenty one player, so it's you know it's a big deal. I know Chilwell and Gray played in their last one, uh, where I think even got to the semi finals. 
but I think yeah they're gonna they're gonna have a real um, point to prove those those four young lads. Um, but like you say, it it is really good to see not only with Madison and Greg, but the fact that Barnes and Chowdhury have you know Leicester born and bred and have come through the academy as well. I think that makes it a little bit more special. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, there's so much talent in that team. The fact that you know you would say given that given their abilities that they should be you know regular starters in England under 21 team but because the amount of talent there they're not guaranteed that um so there's yeah there's stuff for them to prove to get into the England under 21s team and then maybe push on towards the England seniors team once they're through this this tournament in the summer well so far touchwood it's all been a very positive experience for the Leicester City players on international duty, I can imagine Brendan Rodgers will be sat there with his fingers crossed and everything crossed, yeah. but they all come back in one piece because uh, uh, we've got uh, the running now after mm. this little lull with this quiet uh, period of the internationals um, to the end of the season. And suddenly, seventh spot is a possibility mm. again, a distinct possibility. There's only three points in it now yeah. uh, after City won their last two games. And uh, it just feels like to me that City are the side that's getting that momentum now at the right time of the season. Yeah, it's de- definitely they've got the momentum with them. You know, two two wins in a row is, you know, not many teams do it because of because of how competitive the Premier League is. To actually put together two wins, um, you know, isn't isn't all that common. Uh, and you would say they've got the fixtures to to put a few more wins together. My concern is that come the final three fixtures, mm. <laughs> when Leicester have got. Arsenal, Manchester City and Chelsea um, and one that will be fighting for the title and two that will be fighting for the Champions League places that's when they might come unstuck mm. um, I think I, th- well, I, I think Leicester will probably finish behind Wolves and Watford uh, in the although they've race. got the FA Cup semi-final yes. between each other haven't they yes, and that may take their focus and to be honest I think it probably should take their focus um, because if they win the FA Cup, more you get a trophy and you get the European place anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I think, but I think just in terms of, they've obviously got that points advantage on Leicester at the minute and their fixtures are probably of a similar level of difficulty. Yeah. But certainly, if Leicester can win these next four games, they'll give themselves a real shout. Um, and you would say Bournemouth, Newcastle, Huddersfield, West Ham, all, all winnable fixtures, you would say. Um Although West Ham are quite strong at uh, the yeah, London West... Stadium now. And, uh, it, I mean, I've been there a few times in the, the last couple of seasons and there's always been this toxic atmosphere, this unnervy atmosphere around the ground because the fans don't really want to be there. They don't like the fact that they've been away from Upton Park and now they're in this stadium. But this seems to be under Pellegrini a little bit of a change. Yeah, I think yeah, he's, he's improved them a little bit and they've, you know, they've got some decent players as well, which I think always helps. I mean, we talk about seventh and it possibly could be good enough for Europa League. But, that aside, I still think these games are important to build momentum for next season. And we saw with the great escape season, yeah, definitely. you know that momentum that they had from winning seven of the last nine games, and they carried and look what they achieved that season, the following campaign. So it's really important now. And Brendan has come in to this, the club at this stage for this very reason to assess yeah. what he's got and what he needs in the summer, so he can hit the ground running with momentum next season and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see over these next seven games because I mean, we might think that Leicester are mid-table haven't got a lot to play for but they have yeah I think that, I think that's you know exciting well as exciting as it can get for being in mid-table at this stage of the season the fact that you know the players do have something to play for in terms of their you know their role next season um, and I think we saw that kind of at, at Burnley you know that sort of situation a team down to ten men they're in mid-table away to team mm-hmm. 
battling for their lives at the bottom. Normally, the relegation battler would win that one, um, but you know we saw that Leicester because they because the players know that they've got to impress the new boss. You know they gave that little bit extra. I think um, so. Yeah, I, I think it's exciting in terms of that. I think perhaps more exciting than we can expect of a mid of another mid-table team at this stage of the season. Bournemouth at home Saturday. We're back mm-hmm. into the action yep. there. How do you see that one panning out? Because they've been uh, a bit of a thorn in the side yeah. uh, for, for City, haven't they? Yeah, they are. They are Leicester's bogey team, I would say. Them and, them and Palace. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if they've even beaten them since they since they've been playing in the Premier League together. There seems to be a lot of draws between the two. Um, they're very good, Bournemouth. I, I always like them. I think the I think Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson are you know two really really good players. Two of the best players outside the top six. Um, I think defensively you can always get at them, um, but I think they they keep the ball well enough and they knock it around well enough that they're always going to be a threat going forward. Um, I mean, we saw that in the the away game at the Vitality Stadium that it seemed like every time they came for, forward Bournemouth they were going to score and obviously they did get four goals, but then Leicester, even with ten men, managed to get two back at the end. So, um, yeah, it would certainly be an interesting one. I wouldn't say... You would say in in future seasons, a, a, you know, playing Bournemouth at home is a is a must win. But I think it's a you know, I think a draw is probably the most likely outcome. I, you know, having assessing it at the minute, I think given Bournemouth are a little bit more settled under Howe than Leicester are under Rogers. I just think it's an absolute miracle year after year that Eddie Howe keeps Bournemouth. In the Premier League, oh, yeah. when you consider what they've got and what everybody else in the Premier League seems to have, the size of the club, the fan base, the finances, it just keeps producing sides that play attractive football, mm. but also hold their own, more than hold their own in the division. And I was recently asked for um, a group-wide um, piece to rate the managers in the Premier League, and I have to rate Eddie Howe right up there. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Pep's at the top. I mean, he's out and he's only the Don, isn't he, at yeah. the moment? But uh, Eddie Howe, certainly of the English uh, managers, is, is is very much in the in the running for, for what I consider to be one of the managers of the last few years. Um, but it's going to be intriguing, isn't it, to see if City can pick up where they left off um, before the international break under Brendan, and Brendan's had a bit of time, because they've all been over to Thailand, the lads that haven't been uh, on international duty, they all went out for the cremation of Kung Vichai, Chai, um, that sort of it's been the funeral started in November now we've had the cremation yeah. they've said their final goodbyes and it, it's been a traumatic season but now the last seven games it's just that running now to focus on yeah I think so I think maybe the whole situation was still playing on some players minds um and it's, obviously it's not the sort of thing that you get over quickly um, and well, certainly Casper Schmeichel yeah. yeah exactly I think there's you know because so there are a few players that did have a really good relationship with the chairman um and I think probably knowing that this would always have been planned, that you know, a certain number of players would go to the cremation, it was, they always knew it was going to happen. So I think maybe now they know there's not necessarily going to be any more sort of um, tributes or anything like that to, to Convisha, certainly not for a while. Um, so yes, I think they'll, they'll perhaps be a little bit more settled and you know, that knowing that you can see the end of the season without any more interruptions in terms of internationals. I think it probably does make you focus a little bit more. Um, on the on the task at hand. So yes, an interesting final seven games. Uh, finally, because we are looking ahead um, and the, the gossip's already started, the transfer window opening. Mm. We're expecting it to be a busy summer for, for Leicester City. 
Um, not so t- just uh, the lads that could be coming to the club but Brendan Rodgers is going to be given money he's going to be given the opportunity to strengthen his squad so we're expecting him to, to bring in players in but also the key battle to keep the players at the club that yeah. um, uh, City um, desire I mean Harry Maguire has already been linked again with Man United yeah. with suggestions in some reports a £90 million mm, uh, price tag yeah I think that's a bit uh, inflated myself and uh, I mean if he's worth £90 million, how much is Ben Chilwell worth as well yeah. I mean we're talking a hell of a lot of money but there I mean the world record for a defender was 75, 75 for Van, Van Dijk yeah. yeah so we're going to go £15 million above that mm, we'll have to wait and see what happens in that but we know Man United's interest is genuine in yeah. uh, Maguire. We know Man City are interested in Chilwell. Uh, there's been reports that Tottenham are also into Madison. Do you see City facing a bit of a battle to keep their top players? Um, yes, a battle, yes. Uh, but I think it's one that they'll probably succeed in. The only one I would say is that is doubtful is Maguire, I think. Um, mainly because we've been through this once before with Maguire. I think usually Leicester can keep hold of players for one summer but it becomes more difficult to keep them for another summer um, and I think they will they, they will obviously you know they obviously want to keep him he's the, the club's best centre back and obviously um, he's a he's a big deal in playing for England and things like that and his ability on the ball is you know second to none um, but I think if Maguire was to express that he really wanted to leave I think Leicester would try and drive the price up as much as possible but they would reluctantly let him go. A little bit like the Mares situation. Yeah. They, they kept Mares for as long as they could, really. Um, you know, there was interest for a couple of transfer windows before they finally said, "Okay, we can't keep hold of him any longer. Um, we have to sell him now." And they got a you know a, a club record sixty million um, for him. So I think it will be a similar situation with Maguire that they will try their their hardest to keep hold of him. But if the player really, really wants to go. I don't think there's any benefit to keeping them at the club. Um, and also, in terms of centre-backs, Leicester are quite, uh, pretty well set, particularly with Benkovic coming back and obviously Morgan signed a new contract. So they're not... They wouldn't be, you know, straggling around to try and... Get More an, so if Chilwell went, wouldn't yeah. they? Because they obviously have got... They, no they would have, if Chilwell went, they would have to spend big on a new left-back, you would say. If, a cent, if Harry Maguire goes centre-back, they've kind of got enough players there and enough good players there to get by I would say well if you look at the, the last three summer transfer windows since they won the title they lost Kante Drinkwater Mares. there's a good chance they're going to lose one this summer but I can't see them losing both no. I can't see them losing Maguire and Chilwell yeah I, th- I agree with you If it, out of the two I think it, it, Maguire might be the one that uh, moves on but ho- hopefully Filip Benkovic who did so well under Brendan yeah. Rodgers at Celtic can come in and fill those uh, those boots but uh, time will tell and there's plenty of that sort of gossip to come as well between now and the end of the season and then on to, into the season you can catch all these stories on Leicestershire Live as well and you can join us again later in the week when we'll have another podcast from the King Pass Stadium as Brendan Rogers previews Bournemouth, Bournemouth so join us then <laughs>